0: Hi, I'm Manika Raman Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. This weekend, several thousand protesters descended on Parliament Hill in Ottawa. They took over the downtown core of the city, honking horns and blocking streets with trucks. The Globe's Marika Walsh was there, covering the protest.
1: It really was this cross section of people who, some of them were really there to voice their frustration at the pandemic, at the continued lockdowns, at the mask mandates, at the vaccine mandates. Marika and Globe reporter Janice Dixon
0: spoke to some of the people in the crowd.
1: My name's Tyler, T-Y-L-E-R. And your last name? Armstrong, A-R-M-S-T-R-O-N-G. And where are you from? Hamilton, Ontario. And, and what are you here for? Fighting for freedom and end all mandates Canada-wide for every single person. Right, you can't cross the border. You can't go to a restaurant. You have to wear a mask everywhere you go. It's not right.
0: Tyler's a trucker who's not vaccinated and not working. And what have you
1: been doing since the mandate? Just kind of hanging out because I can't really, I can't do anything, right? So. And are you on EI
0: then? Or I'm not allowed to collect you? EI because
1: I'm an owner-operator, so. How
0: does that affect your ability to afford things?
1: Um, Well, not sound like a deuce, but like I kind of set myself up
0: for this because I had a feeling it was going to happen, so I'm okay for a little while, but yeah. Goodness.
1: Just so, like, why do you choose not to be vaccinated? Ah, uh, Because it's forced. I just don't think anything should be forced. It's not, not right. I am, okay, I'm Peter Ravensbergen.
0: Some, like Peter, drove to Ottawa with his kids. Is
1: that your son? Yes, I'm here with my two oldest boys. How old are they? They are 12 and 14, 14. I think the government just needs to stand up and actually listen to the people of Canada. It's, we want the choice, or the freedom to make our own choices. And what is the goal? Like, when do you leave? I mean, you're boxed in right now. The police say they don't know when this will end. What's your idea of what happens next? I don't even know what's gonna happen next. I think that's gonna depend on the rest of the truckers around us. I think expecting Trudeau to come out and say, okay, fine, we end the mandates is not realistic. I think it's more just to raise awareness that we as Canadians are not happy with the way things are going. How long did you book your Airbnb for? Uh, I'm done. So I sleep in my truck from now on. And then on the flip side, there were people who seemed to be there just to create trouble, doing things like defecating on the war memorial, dancing on the tomb of the unknown soldier, harassing people at a homeless shelter, demanding free food from a, a soup kitchen at that homeless shelter. So we saw some people who were there really just to protest and to have their voices heard on Parliament Hill, as we've seen so many times before in Ottawa, and others who were there for much more unsettling reasons.
0: Today on The Decibel, Marika Walsh talks about the protests on Parliament Hill and the political fallout of the trucker convoy. Marika, it's so great to see you. Thanks uh, for being here today. It's so great to be on the
1: show again. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah, I know it's been a really busy last few days for you, so thank you for taking the time to do this. <laughs> it's been a
1: long 72 hours.
0: <laughs> I can only imagine, yeah. Uh, we're speaking to you on, on Monday afternoon, we should say, uh, and, and you're coming to us from downtown Ottawa, so we do kind of hear still some trucks in, in the background there. Yeah,
1: exactly. This has been not just my background for the last 72 hours, but really the background sound for Ottawa throughout the downtown, you know, really kilometers away. I live a 30-minute walk away from downtown, and you can still hear the horns where I live. And in the downtown core where I am now, because I'm covering the protests, it really is deafening at times.
0: Well, what's the mood like today? So this is Monday now, kind of away from the main protest that was happening on Saturday. But what's going on now?
1: I would say that, the mood has shifted as we've kind of narrowed down or winnowed down the number of people on the Hill still protesting to, I would say, the core group of protesters. Really the people who say they are here in it for the long haul was the quote the organizers used over the weekend to express their opposition to the vaccine mandates and to demand that they be ended in order for them to leave Parliament Hill. So I would say that the mood has become a bit angrier And at the same time, Ottawa residents and people living in Ottawa, working in Ottawa businesses, are also becoming angrier because the disruptions are immense, especially to businesses who have already really struggled in the last two years, now to be closed for a third day in the downtown because of safety reasons. So there is, I think, a more entrenched feeling from the people left protesting, and at the same time, more frustration. From the rest of Ottawa who are trying to sleep through honking horns and partying and dealing with people defecating on their lawns or drunk driving in the streets.
0: And I should say I'm in Ottawa, too. So I'm hearing a lot of this as well. Can you, I guess, walk us through what has been closed as a result of these protests
1: still ongoing? Really, the downtown core is empty. So it crosses all types of businesses. Some parking lots are closed because they're trying not to encourage protesters to come down. They're trying to make sure there's nowhere for them to park. And so from restaurants that were supposed to be able to open their restaurants today to indoor eating again, they're closed. Bars, cafes, gyms, they're closed. The Rideau Center, Ottawa's biggest mall in the downtown, is also closed because on Saturday when they were open, they were deluged with people who refused to wear masks, who made it unsafe for others. And so they've been closed now for a third day. The question is, what's open, really?
0: Okay, let's talk about what's going on politically then, because Prime Minister Justin Trudeau spoke earlier uh, on Monday. What did he say about the protests?
1: This is really where the rubber hits the road and where this protest in Ottawa zooms out and matters for the rest of Canada in terms of the impact, right? Because The question is, what policies are we using to navigate our way through this stage of the pandemic? And the Liberals and the Prime Minister, as they did in the last election, have made it very clear that they believe they are on the right side of history in enforcing vaccine mandates, in sticking to vaccine mandates as a way to get people to be vaccinated. And the prime minister really repeated that message today, showing that he believes that he is speaking for, you know the silent majority of Canadians is how I'll describe it, who are getting vaccinated, who are trying to do what they can to get through this pandemic. He said, yes, everybody is frustrated whether you're vaccinated or not, but the way to deal with this is to be vaccinated. A lot of Liberals over the weekend were retweeting something I had written on Twitter to give some perspective on the protests in the sense that more people got vaccinated this weekend, stuck out their arms to get the jabs, than were out at the Hill protesting.
0: Hmm. What about um, opposition leader Aaron O'Toole? What has he had to say about all of this?
1: It's been a changing message from Aaron O'Toole as he's tried to navigate these protests There's a few different layers going on for him. He has a right flank of the conservative base that has libertarian tendencies that fundamentally do not believe in government mandating these kinds of things, not necessarily that it would be anti-vaccine. Simply, it's a notion of getting government out of our lives. And they also have privacy issues with that. The idea of disclosing your personal health information they object to. So there is... A fundamental ideological difference that they are contending with and at the same time he's dealing with a lot of leadership unrest since the election and so he's had a very challenging time navigating this. He started by distancing himself by the, from the protesters at the beginning of last week and then as the week went on we saw more and more conservative MPs speaking out in support of the protesters including former leader Andrew Scheer, including very prominent MP Pierre Pralyev, including Erin O'Toole's deputy leader, Candace Bergen. And so by the end of the week, he was also saying he supports them. He called on the prime minister to meet with them. Mr. Speaker, my question is simple. Will the prime minister move past the division and agree to meet with some of the truckers impacted by his federal regulations? And he also went to go meet with some of them at a truck stop outside of Ottawa. And I guess we should say that
0: O'Toole has consistently said he does support vaccination and it encourages people to get vaccinated but his point is always that people should have the freedom to to choose that.
1: Exactly. And and it's his party's policy that while you should be encouraging vaccines, you should not have to mandate them and that there should be what they call reasonable accommodations for people who are not vaccinated. So whether that's doing rapid tests more regularly or if it's, you know, making accommodations at work, if you can work from home, those kinds of things. They think there should be some accommodations for people who, for their own reasons, choose not to be vaccinated. The question that Erin O'Toole has to contend with is what is the upside of his decision to ally himself with these protesters who are not only not just truckers, but also who the trucking association that represents truckers has said, these people don't represent us. The vast majority of truckers are vaccinated. And while there's a group of them in Ottawa protesting, the rest of truckers are working, delivering goods, stocking the shelves. And the question is, how does Aaron O'Toole grow his base, grow his support by taking a side that appears to be based on public opinion polling truly in the minority of where popular opinion is in Canada. I also just
0: quickly want to ask you about Maxine Bernier, the the leader of the People's Mm -hmm. Party of Canada. Have we heard from
1: him with all of this going on? (laughs) We have heard from him. He was at the Hill over the weekend meeting with protesters, speaking, and many of the protesters on the Hill were wearing People's Party of Canada paraphernalia, whether it was hats or sweaters or holding up People's Party of Canada signs. So clearly, There is a cross-section of supporters in this crowd. And that's kind of, I think, a hint at this issue that Aaron O'Toole faces, right? If he sees that Maxime Bernier is gaining support among these people, is his support to the right of his base eroding from that?
0: I mean, even if uh, the, this group of protesters, it's, you know, as you said, kind of relatively small compared to the, the bigger population of Canada, but a very vocal group, as we can hear in the background. Very there, noisy group, uh, too. <laughs> <laughs> very, very noisy, very vocal right there. Um, but they're also very well funded. There's a the GoFundMe mm-hmm. campaign raised millions of, of dollars um, for this protest. Does the fact that it is so well funded, does, did that signal to politicians that they need to take this more seriously?
1: Well, there's a lot of questions around that, right? Because we don't know where that money is coming from. And it can be international. We know people like Joe Rogan, Donald Trump, have weighed in on this protest. That's true. The Canadian truckers, you've been reading about it, who are resisting bravely these lawless mandates, are doing more to defend American freedom than our own leaders by far, and we want those great Canadian truckers to know that we are with them all the way. They are, they've really shown something. And so there's a lot of attention coming from it from outside of Canada. Certainly though, any political party would be envious of that amount of money, right? I think we're over $9 million now. GoFundMe says that they need to present a plan of how they'll spend it before they'll release it all. But some of the funds have already been released or will be released to them. And it's one of the reasons why the protesters are saying they are here for the long haul. They're ready to sit here, they said, at a press conference over the weekend for 2023, 2024, if they need to, they said. So we're talking, you know, months and maybe years. That's their perspective. I I can't imagine that's actually what happens But the reason why they say they can do that is because of all of the money they raised. And so certainly they are well-funded and well-organized. And I think also their organization leads to more questions for the Conservative Party. Because the Conservative Party has made it clear that they disavow and condemn things like the desecration of the War Memorial, things like people being accosted at a homeless shelter, and the carrying of swastikas and Nazi flags on Parliament Hill. But the organizers of this protest have some past comments and current comments that have raised questions among critics. And, for example, over the weekend at their press conference, they did not invite mainstream media. They invited sort of what they called trustworthy media, so, you know, read that as sort of more of the far-right groups that cover events in politics. And they described, for example, the carrying of the swastika on the hill or the defecation at, at the memorial as hoax hate. And so they kind of dismissed it as a real issue. They seemed to be downplaying it. They just said that's not our people that they in no way condemned the carrying of those things.
0: Let's talk a bit more broadly about where people in Canada stand on, on COVID restrictions. I bring this up because there was a recent Angus Reid poll that found that 54% of people surveyed say that they want restrictions to end. Uh, and that's actually an increase of uh, 15 points from early January when the same question was, was asked. How can governments tackle these changing attitudes on restrictions from the Canadian public?
1: It in a way speaks to another kind of contradiction or question of focus for these protesters. So these protesters converged on Parliament Hill. The federal government is their target. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is their target. But he actually controls very few of the measures that they want rolled back, right? The lockdowns, the changes to access to restaurants, bars, gyms, cinemas, all are provincially controlled. And That's then a question of what the provinces do. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his government control what's in federal jurisdiction. So that's why we've seen them target things like airlines, interprovincial rail, because that's what they control. They control what happens at the border. And so that's been their focus. Whereas the things that a lot of these um, respondents in the survey are taking issue with are controlled by the provinces. And I think we are seeing the provinces start to see the changing mood and starting to change their policies accordingly, right? We saw BC, for example, starting to talk about living with COVID, trying to bring in some more personal responsibility for how you decide to act within the context of COVID. And I think it reflects really um, a trend we're seeing around the world. We're seeing protests around the world against lockdowns, against All of these pandemic measures. And we're also seeing more and more countries in Europe, for example, saying we need to find ways to just continue living with COVID in our midst. And at the same time, we are seeing a more gradual lifting of restrictions in provinces like Quebec and Ontario. I think that will continue. And I think that politicians are very aware of the fact that the mood is changing, the frustration is changing. And I think we all see that in our daily lives with the people we speak with, with our families, with our friends, that two years into this and at the tail end of another wave, people are wondering when it ends. It's actually what Erin O'Toole asked the prime minister in question period on Monday. When is this going to end?
0: At the prime minister's press conference on Monday, uh, you were there and you asked him about vaccines and, um, and also whether he should engage with the concerns that some of these protesters have about that.
1: There seems to be a real concern for many of them about the safety of that vaccine. And I'm wondering if you are avoiding addressing that by only focusing on the much more hateful and nefarious elements of the protests this weekend. Marika, anyone who thinks that I haven't been talking about how safe vaccines are has been listening to everything I've been saying over the past two years. Vaccines are safe and effective. The way we get through, the way we get What was
0: your thinking behind that question?
1: I think that when you speak with people on Parliament Hill or with protesters um, during the election, for example, there are clearly people who are there because of a hatred or an anger um, towards the prime minister. But there are also people there, when you talk to them, who have... A deep fear of the vaccines or who when you talk to them repeat complete falsehoods or misinformation about the vaccine that they believe to be true. And so the question is how in Canada are we dealing with this misinformation? How are we ensuring that there is enough trust in our public officials that more people believe what they're saying, not just the elected politicians, but also our health officials, our scientists, our doctors, the cross-section of society that is trying to convince people to get vaccinated. The prime minister's response was to say that while he has engaged with people who are vaccine hesitant and they've tried to do that, he says, at every level of government throughout the last year, and he has constantly said that vaccines are safe and effective. You and I both know that's repeated constantly, not just from him, but from his ministers, from his health officials and at all the provincial um, governments and even municipal governments. But that message has not been able to get through. And people who that message has not resonated with also take great offense to comments from the prime minister calling them a fringe minority. And so today in his response, he also use the term tinfoil hat. Disinformation and misinformation online, conspiracy theorists uh, about microchips, about you know, God knows what else that go with the tinfoil hats. We and so the question is, how are, how are those people going to be convinced to get vaccinated if they feel so disenfranchised or ignored by their political leaders?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, a comment like that, like, I mean, does that not, I guess, increase divisions?
1: Certainly, we seem to be a bit at a point in federal politics where both sides are pointed at the other to say that, right? You can clearly see um, conservatives saying that the prime minister is increasing divisions. There was that clip that was resurfaced earlier this year of the prime minister referencing anti-vaxxers as often also being racists and misogynists. And last week, his fringe minority comment about the protesters was actually turned into a rallying cry for the protests this weekend. On the flip side, when you see the comments from the Conservatives where former leader Andrew Scheer, I believe he called the Prime Minister the greatest threat to freedom in Canada. And so you see the heated rhetoric on both sides that is allowing people to if you're following politics then you'll see what you you'll hear what you want to hear right and so i think that that accusation of people stoking divisions is being thrown at both sides of the aisle and you can see sometimes why that accusation is laid
0: there's still lots of protesters in the downtown core there lots of lots of trucks blocking downtown ottawa what does success look like for these protesters there
1: that's the big question mark. They say success is the lifting of the vaccine mandates, the mask mandates, and the lockdown measures. And the Prime Minister again made very clear on Monday that he will not be intimidated and he is sticking to his guns on vaccine mandates and on the path the government has chosen to address the pandemic. So it's that open question, Manica, that leaves the rest of this week possibly very interesting for people in Ottawa and, and maybe some sleepless nights for the people trying to sleep in the downtown.
0: Marika, thank you for taking time out of your reporting to, to speak with us today. Thank you so much. It was great to see you. Good to see you too. That's it for today. I'm Manika Araman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White and Cheryl Sutherland. David Crosby edits the show, Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.